We're going to be over in the book of Luke, chapter 6. The story, late one summer evening in Broken Bow, Nebraska. My brother Hagen used to always tell us stories about the, uh, the cities and how they were named. He said, it's no wonder that the Indians lost the war. He said they had a broken bow, broken arrow, and no water. And if you come from out that way, your, your city's called all these things in there. And, of course, they named them after things. Named, uh, named places after events or things. And, but anyway, this was in Broken Bow, Nebraska. There was a very tired truck driver. He had pulled in, pulled his big rig into the diner. And he ordered his meal, and his meal came, and he was enjoying his, his meal. And just then, three bikers entered into the restaurant. They looked every bit of the stereotype that you would have for bikers, the hair and the beards and the tattoos and the leather jackets and everything that you would expect they did. And they came on in and they just were rude, obnoxious. They were verbally abusive to the truck driver as he was eating. Then they all three came up to him and and one grabbed his hamburger and walked off with it. Another one grabbed a bunch of his fries and, and walked off with those. And the other one took his coffee and just drank it. How would you respond if you were in that situation? Well, the truck driver just sat there for a little bit. He picked up his check and he walked to the register and he put the money and the check down on the counter and he walked out. Three bikers made a comment and they said, well, he's not much of a man, is he? And the waitress who had followed him over to the register and was taking the money and putting it into the register, she said, well, I can't attest to that. But what I can say is he's not much of a truck driver. He just drove over three motorcycles on his way out of here. (laughs) Now, when people do things to you, how do you respond? How do you respond? Now, we've been looking in this series on some of the things that we have going on in our lives that have become habits. And these habits have produced side effects in our life. Just like, you know, when they have the drug commercials on the TV and they have the uh, side effects that are going on. Now, this one wasn't a drug uh, effect, but uh, uh, Geico, I think, was, was had one. Do you remember that one? The person walks into the pharmacy and they got three guys singing harmony in the background about the side effects. Anybody seen that commercial? I don't think I would watch commercials at all if it weren't for Geico. (coughs) They do have some very nice commercials. They're very entertaining. I kind of enjoy sitting there and watching them and and have some have some fun with uh, with those commercials. But anyway, these were they were singing in harmony all the side effects to the particular drug that was there. And maybe you've heard some of the drug companies and some of the side effects that, that they announce. And you're thinking, why would I take that? Those side effects sound awful. But people do. And they just have to alert them of the, of the side effects. Well, when we pick up these habits and we put them in our life, after God says, don't do it, we bring these side effects into our life. So some of the things that we looked at, we looked at, looked at worry and fear and anxiety. And we just look from the natural standpoint how medical science will tell you that these, the effects that these things have on your body. And we're trying to pray and get rid of these particular things, but they're not going because we are doing the things that implants them in our life. We have to do that. Because the Word of God says, 
Do not worry. Do not fear or have any anxiety about anything. That means if the Word of God says we can do it, I can do it. But we have to go and believe that we can do it and begin to say with our mouth, because most times we have something, well, I just can't do that. I know the Bible tells me to do that. I just can't do that. I've tried. I just can't do it. (laughs) That's why you can't do it, because you keep going around saying that you can't do it. You have to, uh, you have to believe that you can. We were watching the show last night. I guess it was last night. Um, the Ninja Warrior show. I don't usually see that. Was I guess there was not much else on, so he got flipped on, and we were watching this. And I was noticing one of the guys who had made it through all the different obstacles. He was on that uh, last obstacle where you got to run up the ramp and grab hold and pull yourself up. And I noticed that uh, as he was running up, he says. It doesn't look like he has the confidence to do it. You can just kind of tell from the way he was running up. And he, he failed. He had three attempts and he failed and, and didn't quite make it. You see, if you don't have the confidence that you can make it, you don't quite sell out to do it just in case because you don't want to get hurt. So you just kind of pull back on it a little bit. You've got to first off believe that what God says in his word, you can do it. If God says, I can have no fear, that means I can have no fear. If he says, don't worry about anything, I can not worry about anything. If he says, don't be anxious, I can not be anxious. Because the Word of God said you can do it. And you've got the Spirit of God on the inside of you. So we looked at some of the things that those, those conditions will bring in. We then went on in bitterness. We saw how, what bitterness will do. If you allow bitterness to continue on in your life, it will change you. It will change your body's chemistry. It will change some of the conditions that happen in your life. We saw the the work of the enemy, that he's the accuser. Don't go picking up the work of the enemy and go around accusing people or listen to those thoughts, having them come in. We saw that passion can be corrupted. But without passion, it's pretty tough to become bitter about anything because it's passion that causes us to be caring about it. Because I care about that, I have passion, therefore I can be angry or bitter. These things can come up. We also looked at anger. And the things that that will do. Last, last time we were together, which is two weeks ago, on, on this topic, last week we had a special guest in here, and boy, we enjoyed them. But we looked at how important it is to have soft answers instead of harsh answers. Remember Proverbs 15? How'd that go? A soft answer, answer turns away wrath. But you can go the other way and stir it up. But let's go with the Word of God. Soft answer. How many of you had an opportunity in the last couple of weeks to give something other than a soft answer? See, we also saw in the Word of God that it says a fool just speaks whatever he's feeling. If you just, well, I felt it, so I said it. Well, then you're a fool, according to the Bible. No, you don't do that. You bring those things in line. The Word of God said, Paul says, I keep my body under just because your body, just because your flesh wants to do something doesn't mean that you just go along and do it. you got to stand up on those things. But here's another one we want to take a look at. And um, like I told you, I always go back and see when was the last time we covered this. You know, I always want to make sure that you're covering the whole word, not just staying on certain passages. Well, it has been a while since we were on this one. I look back, it was over 10 years 
since we actually just took this passage and just died. I mean, we've referred to it a number of times. And I tell you this passage, you'll say, we've referred to it. Y'all, y'all know this because we say it enough times. But just haven't actually just taken the passages around and just dissect it. And so we're going to do that here today. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37, you all know this scripture. You know it by heart, probably. You've heard other people, had other people quote it to you. You may have even quoted it yourself. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now, when he says, judge not, is it possible for us to go through life and not judge? Or once we hear the command, not to do it. It is. Now, the word here, judge not, comes from the Greek word to mean to separate, select, choose, to determine, to pronounce judgment. To pronounce judgment. Now, I'll tell you what, when we really look at what this word is is talking about, we tend to do this a lot. We tend to do this quite often. How many of you have gone through the drive-thru window and picked up your order and didn't like the service that you got? What comes out of your mouth? Well, they aren't very nice in there. Well, that person was sure in a bad mood. Don't we say things like this? And it just kind of flows out sometimes. You go into the store and you're, you're looking for some help and you talk to somebody and they're not very helpful. They don't give you a whole lot of help. Well, a lot of good they were. I bet you they don't like their job. We say things like this. (laughs) And we're judging on appearance. But really, we have nothing to go on. We're taking a couple of of moments and making a judgment upon these, these people. We don't know what happened to them. I do remember this story. I didn't write this story down. I wasn't thinking about it at the time. I know I told this story to you years ago. But this was a story that just kind of stuck in my head about it. There was a, a man who was on a train and on his way, and his, his, there was a dad that was there, and he had three kids, and those kids were just running amok on the train. Just running this way, running that way, climbing on chairs, bothering the, the passengers, and the dad just sat there. Didn't do anything about it. So he thought in himself, he says, he says well, that sure is a poor example of a father, he's not disciplining his kids. He's just letting them run amok. How, how rude of him to do that. But he decided, no, I'm not going to just pass judgment. I'm going to go over there and talk to him. So he, he got near him and began to talk to him and, and found out. The man said, he said, uh, just came from the hospital and their mother just passed away. His wife. And he was still stunned that she died. Well, you see, if you just looked at it on the outside, you're thinking, well, here's the situation. And this father's not taking care of his kids. And you come out of there thinking poorly about the person. But he took some time, talked to him about it, found out what was going on. Doesn't that change the way you look at that situation? See, we're going to have a lot of situations in our life. And it would sure help us if we just would take the time to find out what else is going on. The Word of God says a couple of, a couple of things. First off, it says that every man's way is right in his own eyes. So if you hear a side of the story from one person, what side of the story are they going to give you? The side that shows that they're right. But if you want to another person involved, because just about every story has another person involved, maybe more than that, you would probably get a different story. And the Word of God says, on the basis of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. But a lot of times we're establishing word on one. 
And it's not just people in the world, it's people in the church. I'm amazed at how many people are wiser than God. Because God says you need to have at least two. But we got a lot of people out there that are so wise they can determine what's going on on the basis of one person. One person saying it. We've got to be careful. It says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Now, how many people here want to be judged? <laughs> now, we think, we think of this and we're thinking, I don't want to be judged by God. But does the verse say that? It says, judge not, lest ye be judged, or, and you shall not be judged. Now, it's not saying that, we certainly assume that we're talking about God here, that God's going to judge us if we judge others. But what about other people? How many of you like to be passed judgment from other people onto you? No, we don't like that either. Well, then stop passing judgment on them. That's something we got to do. Judge not, lest ye be judged. And when you find out that some person has judged you, what's it do to you on the inside? You don't feel so good about that. And those feelings can cause anxiety and fear and worry and stuff to be stirred up, which is the Word of God saying, stay out of. And if you judge a person based on what little bit of information you got, that's not going to help you. Now you pass judgment on someone and you don't even have the whole story. I think I shared this with you recently, but Brother Hagin had shared one with us in school when we were there and... um, one of those stories that just moved me greatly where he was in a group of ministers and they were talking about a particular minister who had fallen, missed God. And they were talking about it. He says, what do you think what so-and-so did? And he just uh, commented on, the, on what they were saying or what they had heard and he says, well, if that's what he did, then certainly he was wrong. And that was all. And he went on and God hit him on it. God rebuked him. He says, how dare you Judge my servant. Well, I, I didn't judge them. I just was, they were telling me what was going on. I just ag- agreed that if that's what happened, he says, he says, God said this to him. He says, you don't know what he went through. You don't know what he faced. You don't know what he was up against. And you don't know that if you were in his shoes that you would have done any better. But that's what he had said to him. He says, how dare you judge my servant? Well, he learned that lesson from that one. He decided not to pass judgment on anymore. And I, I try and learn my, my lesson from that too. And when I'm hearing one side of a story, try and stay, nope, you stay neutral in this. Stay neutral in this. Don't, don't get on side. I can't say that I've been 100% at it, but I sure, sure work to try. That's what I'm looking to do. Because if, if we judge, then judgment is the door for judgment is opened up to us. I don't want to be judged by God or by others. We don't like it. So he says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Now, a lot of times people quote that and they misquote it. They think, I can't judge anything. That's not what he's saying. And uh, I put this in your, I actually wrote this in your outline. I want you to see it. John seven twenty four. Do not judge according to appearance but judge with righteous judgment. So we're, it's not that we are not to judge. We're not to judge according to appearance. If I judge based on what I'm seeing, I'm, I'm wrong. 
I've got to find out what's going on in there. Now, see, if I see you do an action and I say, well, they shouldn't do that and I judge that, I'm wrong for doing so. But if I go up to you and I say, why did you do this? And you say, because I hate him. See, now I can judge it. Because you've revealed to me your motive. Right? Is it a good motive? Well, I was coveting what he had, so I stole it. Don't you judge me. The Word of God says, judge not. (laughs) That's not what it's saying. No, if you've done that, then certainly we can, we can move in there and we can do something about it. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Or as John seven twenty four, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Judge with righteous judgment. Uh, pull up on, I didn't pull in my outline, pull up uh, John chapter 5, verse 30, if you would, up on the screen. John chapter 5, and verse 30. I can of myself do nothing as I hear I judge. As I hear I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. This is the problem that most of us have in the area of judgment is that we seek our own. How will this benefit me? How will this help me? How will this do something good for me? Because I, I can't get myself out of it. That's where we have a problem. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. I can't even seek the will of other people. He says, seek the will of the Father. What's the Father's will in this situation? That's what we've got to find out. One more verse. Pull up John chapter 12, verse 46. John chapter 12, verse 46. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me. Give me a command what I should say and what I should speak. You see, when we pull out the word of God and the word of God says adultery is wrong then I can judge that as being wrong. Didn't Paul address one of the churches that he wrote a letter to and says, you are tolerating this adultery. You are tolerating this kind of situation. When we had the churches and the, the seven churches in the book of Revelation, isn't one of them rebuked for the sins that they are allowing to go on? Because the word of God says, don't do this. And yet they were not only, uh, some of them were doing it, the church itself was allowing it and overlooking the, those things. If the Word of God says that it's wrong, it's wrong. We were having a discussion with some of the guys that were out here for the meetings about certain sins and, you know, what to do with them in the, in the, in the church and so forth. Well, there are some sins that the Word of God specifically says, thou shalt not. Right? And if you go and you, you do that, you go against it, I don't care what day and age you are in, it's wrong. If the Word of God says, don't do this kind of behavior, then it's wrong. But if the Word of God doesn't do it, I mean, if we, we think about this day, cigarette smoking is one of those things that we look at and some people in the, in the church, oh, it's despised. It's despised. But where in the Bible does it say, thou shalt not smoke? It doesn't say it. So you see, I don't have an ironclad rule that says, if thou smokest, thou shalt leavest. <laughs> we don't do that. 
Because <laughs> the Bible doesn't say that. That's not what the Bible is, is, is talking about. See, when the Bible says, thou shalt not, and it says, this is what you do if this is going on, then that's what you do when that's going on. But if the Bible doesn't come out and say, well, you didn't have cigarettes back then. Well, then they sh- should have come up with something. I don't know. <laughs> Just, that's not in the Word of God. I think it's a good idea not to smoke. I think a lot of people who have the habit of smoke wish they had not had it and wish they had given it up. And um, I've told you the story before. Brother Keith's example of a guy who came into church. I just want to get free of this. I want to get free of it. And so he told him, and, and the advice worked. He, say, he told him, he says, every time you light up a cigarette, say, thank God I am free of cigarettes. But I'll still be smoking. That's right. So he did that. Every time he go out and buy a pack of cigarettes, every time he light one up, thank God I am free from cigarettes. Didn't take but a couple of weeks. He came back and he said, Brother Keith, I don't even want to anymore. <laughs> he got free of it. Well, that's a whole lot better than condemning somebody and, and, uh, and sending them on out or so forth. But there are some sins that the Word of God says, don't do it. Don't get involved with this. Don't practice this. Stay out. But here's one of them. Don't judge. Stay out of that. People that have fallen into judgment, you can get into a habit of this. And you just habitually judge. And as soon as you see a situation, you make a judgment about it. You make a judgment here, make a judgment there, make a judgment there. You, we've got to be careful. I, I thought about this even for myself. How many of you have ever had the people say this about you? Well, they have an opinion on everything. I think some people used to say that about me. I tried not to have an opinion about everything anymore. Or at least not the one that I would, I would speak out. Sometimes I just like to sit there quietly and just listen. Because I want to get out of, of that place of, of judging all the time. Because see, if I do, it brings things on me. And I don't need to bring that stuff on me. Get these habits out. Well, he goes on in this verse of Scripture, verse 37 of Luke chapter 6, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Now, that's the first step. We judge, but then we go on and we condemn. Well, that person ought to, and we, we announce their Condemnation. We announce the thing that ought to be done to them because of what they are doing. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Well, be condemned by other people or by God. I guess it's, it's left open there. But it's a good idea not to condemn. Well, they're going to hell for that. Don't pronounce condemnation on folks. You don't want to pronounce it on you. Don't pronounce it on them. It's important. Don't go around judging. Don't go around condemning. Now, the accuser of the brethren loves it when you fall into judgment and condemnation because that's what he likes to do. And so he'll keep whispering into your ear accusations. And then he'll whisper in your ear judgments that you should make. And then he'll whisper in the ear condemnations that you should uh, decide that should be rendered. But he goes on here and says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Oh, I didn't give you the definitions here of uh, condemn. The Greek word here, from Thayer's, to give judgment against one to pronounce guilty. You probably haven't even heard all the, all the sides that are going on, but you've already decided who's guilty. To exercise right or law against anyone to pronounce judgment or condemn. That's from Vines. To exercise right or what is right, or to exercise what is written in the law against anyone to pronounce judgment or to condemn. He says, don't do it. Don't condemn. Here's this other one. Forgive. 
Now, this word here for forgive is an interesting word. It means to release, to set free, to let go, or dismiss. Now, you see how it's used here. Here's another place where it's used in Luke chapter 13, verse 12. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And the word there that we're looking at is the word translated here, loosed. Now, what kind of forgiveness is there in that? Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Again, the word means to release, set free, let go, or dismiss. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was mindful to put her away secretly. The word there, to put away, is the word that we're looking at. Basically, he was going to issue her a certificate of divorce. And in Matthew fourteen fifteen, that's exactly the... Well, I'm sorry, not, there's other places where it talks about issuing a divorce, and that's the exact word that is used. Matthew fourteen fifteen. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. Now, could you hear the word in there? Send away. We get sent away from that, that word. So we, we're saying here, put away or send away. There's a releasing that is going on. Be released from this place and go to your homes and buy food. Matthew 18, verse 27. This word talks about forgiveness. Let's see how the word is used. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. The word therefore forgive is not the word we're looking at. The word therefore forgive is a different word. The word that we're looking at is the word release. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. So with that in mind, let's go back to Luke chapter six thirty-seven. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive or release, and you will be released. A freeing, a freeing going on there. Judge not, so that you won't be judged. Condemn not, so that you won't be condemned. You see, when I bring people into judgment, I bring people into condemnation. Am I not trying to bring them into some kind of bondage? Am I not trying to, to join them with a reputation, with a condemnation, with something? What's he saying? Release them. Don't judge them, don't condemn them, don't release them. Or release them. You release them, you'll be released. How many of you have some things you'd like to be released from? What's a good way to do it? Walk in a practice of releasing other people. Stop going and, and holding people to something that they've done in the past. Release them. You'll walk through a life a whole lot better. That's the kind of love that God wants you to be walking in. That's the kind of love walk He wants you to have. So here's this verse once again. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Now, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, 
it will be measured back to you. Give, and it will be given to you. Now, why in the world is this in here with this verse? Judge not, condemn not, release. How often has God dealt with you and says, I want you to give so-and-so this. And what comes up on the inside of us? To them? But they have done. But they have. But they're doing. And what do we do? Pronouncing judgment, condemning them, and walking away from the command that God gave me to give. The Spirit of God comes up and says, give this to so-and-so. But they already have. But I don't have, and we're making a judgment on here. If God speaks to you and says, give something, God spoke to you, do it. Get to know the voice of God. And when God says, give it, I'll tell you what, God, God gives back good. He gives it back good. Uh, Brother Philip was showing us that story when he gave away the waterbed. <laughs> what did he get back? That's a good story he told. I, I enjoyed that one. He got back a whole room full of stuff. Partners all filled up. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Same measure. Same way that you're, you're measuring it out. It's coming back to you. Now we're in the summertime. Water fights are abounding. Especially if you have, are planning on a 4th of July picnic and there are little kids involved, there will be water fights. Now, water fights happen on all kinds of scales. When we were, when we were young, you know, we had those little water squirters and you squirt those little, little things out there and um, that's all we had. Now, we're talking water cannons and you fill that thing up and you're good for a little while. And we got stuff that... Uh, that it goes in the pool and just can quick fire water out. And, you know, if you want to escalate it from there, you go and you get the hose. Because this is an unending supply. But you see, if you come out and you have the little water squirter and the other person comes after you with a little water squirter and you're, you're having fun squirting each other with a little water squirter and then they decide, I'm going to go get the big water squirter, what do you have to do? Come on, what do you do? Do you stay there with your little water squirter? No, what do you do? I go get something bigger. Oh, if you're going to get that, I'm going to do this. You don't have a bigger water squirter, you get a bucket. Right? Throw a bucket. And if you throw a bucket at them and they say, well, I'm going to get something different, they grab a hose. And if they're squirting you with the hose, and if you don't have a bigger bucket, but you're by a pool, you may just try and pick them up and throw them in the pool. But it escalates, doesn't it? It keeps getting bigger. Well, escalate in the area of giving. In the same measure that you measure. The same measure that you measure. It's going to be measured back to you. So if you use little tiny measurement, how's God giving it back to you? Now, you may use a little tiny measurement to give and to, to God. And God can only use that little measure. But let's say that God gives you three times what it is that you gave. Or four times or whatever number you want to put on there. Well, you're getting five times that little measure. Now, what if you get that measure to increase? And you're doing something bigger. Then it increases on God's end as well. Why? Because I've freed him up to be able to use something bigger. 
I have motivated him. Just like in the water pistol game. I have become motivated to find a bigger water pistol. We're going to be ready for the, for the next one. Now, you've got to look at this. This is something that you may not think about all the time. I gave you a little blank in there. Do we sometimes judge before we give? Do we sometimes judge before we give? Now, here's a conflict that comes up with a lot, a lot of people. There is a conflict that a lot of believers have who believe that God wants to give them a, lot, a conflict in the area of buying and selling. Here's how most Christians go about buying and selling. I want to buy this at the cheapest price I can buy it for. And then, right, how many would say, I want to, and then we'll say, I'm being a good steward, right? I'm being a good steward. You are not a good steward with your money. Get that language out of your head. You own it. You are only a steward of what you do not own. That goes against what I've been taught. Well, you're taught wrong. Get taught right. The Word of God never says you are a steward of your money. But there's the Word of God that says they were a steward of somebody else's money. You can be a steward of someone else's money. Well, I believe all my money is God's. And you're a fool. Because how can you give God what is God's? Or how can you spend what is God's on yourself? What you have is yours. I don't have time to do this today. We've done it in the past. But what you have in your pocket, what you earn from your job is 100% yours. You take what is yours and give it to God. That's called the tithe. You take what is yours and bring it to God. You are not giving God what is His. You are giving God what is yours. Right? It's yours. It's under your jurisdiction. And then you decide to give it in obedience to what God said. If it's designated as a tithe, it's because I have designated it as a tithe. That is God's. I'm not going to touch it. That is God's. I've designated it because 100% of it was mine. I've now designated this part as being God's. But see, I did it. I did it because I owned it. I, it's mine. And then bring it to God. That just changes the way that you look at it. You're not a steward of your money. You are the owner. If you bring somebody else in, they become a steward of your money. But generally, most people, we operate in the area of, a, of an owner. But here's what we do. We try and buy something for the least amount. How many people do this? I want to buy it for the lowest price I can get. That's why I go to shopping around. See how much Walmart has it for. See how much Amazon has it for. See how much Costco has it for. And I'm going to go to the place and I'm going to buy it at this place that has the least amount of money that I'm going to spend. But when you're going to sell something... What do you want to sell it for? Come on. I want to sell for the highest I can, I can attain, right? I want to buy for the lowest and I want to sell for the highest. Can you see a conflict? If I am going to buy at the lowest, that means you cannot sell at the highest. Come on, isn't that right? <laughs> 
<laughs> you can't do it. But we see, we get this mentality, I'm not going to be ripped off. You're not gonna, I'm God's servant. You're not going to rip me off. I'm going to get that for a better price someplace else. I'm gonna, and this is what we do. I want to buy this at the lowest price. I want to, I want to sell it at the highest price. Because that's how we, we're kind of programmed. Well, what if I begin to start sowing, buying at a higher price? What would happen to my selling? That doesn't make sense to you, does it? No. Meditate on it for a little bit. Think on it a little bit. If you keep bargain hunting all the time, I'm not saying it's wrong for you to go shopping around in different stores and things like that. I'm talking about the mentality that you have about buying. If you have the mentality that I must always buy for the lowest price possible, that means you're not going to sell for the highest price possible. Because if you buy from someone who is selling at a higher price simply because you want to bless them. So if, if I do that, I can, get into, I can get into this mentality. I'm just going to, Father, who should I bless with the business of what I'm going to buy? And God says, bless that one over there and pay what they're asking for. And you go in there and you say, I want to buy that and I want to pay what it is that you... That, that, that price right there. It's a good price. I'm going to pay for that. And, that, and that's all you, that you do. See, it changes the way that you're thinking about things. You know, so how many of you ever bought something used and then have a desire to sell something used? But then we, we, we barter and we, we ha- How many of you like it when people barter and haggle on your used price? How many of you enjoy that? Oh, I can't wait till they get in there and they start bartering and they start getting me to come down on my price. We just enjoy that, right? But when we go in there and they have the, the price in at $50, what do we say? Will you take 40 Come on, haven't you done it? Will you take 40 Is $10 going to bust you? No, but what you're doing is you're changing your attitude on things. Father God, what should I pay for that? Pay what they're asking. Yes, sir. And you just can just count. If God says to go buy it off that person for the price they're selling, you just look, I'm giving it. I'm giving them five extra dollars. I'm giving them ten extra dollars on this. Glory to God, I just gave them ten dollars because God said, buy it off of them. That's all there is to it. I don't buy too many used things, but every once in a while I go up there. There's a particular workbench that I love in my shop. I love it so much that I wear them out. I have worn out of this particular workbench. Worn out four. In the 18 years that I've been, been working, four of them have worn them out. And um, there's, a, there's one, actually I think it's more than four. I think I've thrown out more than I, I'm just thinking of what I've done in the house recently, but they used to make one particular model and this just lasted longer and they don't make it anymore. And I was combing around on Craigslist. Have you ever been on Craigslist finding stuff? Because you can't find it in the store. It is not in the store. It's not there anymore. So I was looking around and anybody else got that. And this one person had it. And they were asking $50 for it. It is, it's at least 
I think the last time that this company made it was at that point was about five years ago. It's at least five years old. New, it cost a hundred bucks. They wanted fifty dollars for it. Wrote him a, a note. I said, "Do you still have it?" "I do. I'll take it. Price is fine." And I, that was it. And I think Nikolai, he was uh, working out by the place because it was further away. I said, "Would you mind picking this up for me? Here's the fifty bucks." And he went out there and he got it for me. And and uh, that that sucker lasted for about three years. It just gave out. Just gave out. Wouldn't work anymore. And had to replace it. Couldn't find one at all. Had to go to a whole other model and redo the whole thing and and uh, and stuff like that. And you know, it's got some things that are good and things things that are bad. But see, it's a mentality. I, wh- how much would it have benefited me to get him down to forty-five dollars? Get him down to forty dollars. But see, it changes my ma- my attitude. Changes the way I'm I'm doing things. I look at the price that a person has, and I just determine. Do I want to buy it for that price? Is it worth me for that price? And if I come up with yes, and you always go to your spirit. Father God, is it okay that I buy this thing from this person? They may be saved, they may not be saved. It doesn't matter if they're saved. What matters is, is God say you should buy it off of them. God doesn't give you any, any stop. Usually that's how I go. If God doesn't give me a stop sign, I just go on ahead. But if God gives me a stop, no, nope, don't, don't do it. I don't care what the price is. You get it for $10 less, it's not going to help you. But see, it will change your thinking. Give and what? What will happen? Give and it will be given to you. Here's a question for you. What is it? Go back to the previous verse. Judge not and you shall not be... Judge, condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Go to the next verse. Give and it. What is it? Why is it in all the other places I'm told, if I judge, I will be, what am I going to receive? Judgment. If I condemn, what am I going to receive? Condemnation. If I forgive, what am I going to receive? Forgiveness. If I give, what am I going to receive? It. I'm going to receive it. (laughs) Why, if this verse has been so specific all the way along, judge, judgment, condemnation, uh, forgiveness, it's been so specific all the way along, why now are we using it? Give and it will be given to you. Because the it depends on what you give. What do you want to receive? If you want to receive money, what do you need to give? Money. Right? If you want to receive a bargain, what do you want What do you need to give? A bargain. If you want to receive abundance on what you're selling, what do you need to give? If you are giving, I must receive a bargain every time I'm in a deal. 
What are you going to receive? I am going to get a bargain from you. If you say, I am going to give abundance. You know what? At $50, that's just, you're ripping yourself off on this. I think that's worth at least 75 Let me pay you $75 for that. How many of you would do that? All right. I wasn't expecting anybody to say that. If God says to you in your spirit, you know that is not a good price, you need to pay them more. What am I sowing? What am I, what am I going to receive down the road here? It, whatever it is that I am giving, I'm going to receive that back. So if God says to you on a $50 deal, no, that, you know that's worth more than that, pay them 75 You know what? I have my spirit. And don't hide that. Don't ever hide that. Well, I don't know if they're believers. I don't care if they're believers or not. Unbelievers will receive $25 over this asking price just as well as believers will. Just try it. They will, they will think, I have a, this nutcase <laughs> and they wanted to give me $25 more than what I was asking for. I certainly received it. You tell them. The Spirit of God told me, I'm going to get this from you, but it's worth more than you're selling. So I'm going to give you 75 for it. Now you gave, you go out from there and you're thinking, the devil will come unto you and say, you lost $25. You gave away $25. What are you going to receive? <laughs> more than that. More than that. You go out to sell a car. You're going to sell it for 2000 And somebody comes up to you and says, you had it overpriced. You'd be oh, I'm probably only going to get like 1800 for it. But I'll put it at a price of $2,000 and see what happens. You put it at a price of $2,000, somebody comes over and says, I'll take it. Really? $2,000? What did you receive? You see, we all, want to, we all want to receive that, but we don't want to give it. You've got to get out of that mentality, folks. Get it. We've talked about it many times in the past, probably not recently, but uh, I was taught to me that poverty mentality. Get rid of the poverty mentality. I love the examples I was given for this thing. And don't raise your hand inside here. Inside here. Don't let people know. How many of you collect ketchups from Chick-fil-A when you go there? You collect ketchups. You get... Four ketchups, you only used two of them. You were conservative on the, using them. And you save the other two ketchups. You put them in your refrigerator. You've got a section in your refrigerator of ketchups. And those duck sauces they give you at the Chinese place, right? Duck sauce, ketchup, and salad dressing. You're putting the salad dressing on. They gave you two salad. I'm trying to get by with one salad dressing so I can take the other one and put it in the refrigerator and have it for down the road. Don't confess, but how many of you have done something like that? You've got a refrigerator full of ketchups and duck sauce and mustards and salad dressings. Whole compartment taken up in your refrigerator. The eggs are supposed to go in there, but no, there's no eggs in there. What's in there is duck sauce and ketchup and salad dressing. Why? Because you might run out. And how much does ketchup cost for a bottle? Help me out. Somebody help me out. How much? Heinz ketchup bottle, $3? $3. You are saving an entire $3 by collecting the little ketchups. And how do we get a lot of those ketchups? 
we go into the Wendy's and they have them all sitting out there. And you have your to-go bag and you go over to the to-go bag and you know you only need two ketchups. But what do you grab? How many do you grab? Come on. Six. You grab six. You get a whole bunch of them. Throw them in there because I'm going to save the extras. I want to find the first person. I have never found a person yet. I want to find someone who has taken all those ketchups open them up and squeeze them into their ketchup bottle to make their ketchup bottle go further. But you see, it's a mentality. It's a mentality that we have adopted and that we are thinking about because I may not be able to afford ketchup. You know what I do when I get two two salad dressings from Wendy's for their salad? I use every one. In fact, sometimes my wife only wants to use one. And it's not that she's trying to be conservative or save it. She just only wants one. So guess what she does with the other one? Do you want it? Yes. Yes. That is an incredible salad dressing at Wendy's. I don't know if you've ever had that little apple salad that they have down there. And that pomegranate, whatever it is, they need to put it into a bottle. I love that one. I would buy it in a bottle. But you see, we have a mentality. And it all starts with the way that we're giving. You're asking $50. I'd be happy to buy that for $50, but I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to try and get you down to 40 Instead of just going in there and just saying, I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to just bless this person's socks off. I'm going to give them everything they asked and then a little bit more. And then when it comes time for you to sell something big, you won't be having the people coming on by that are trying to save. You're going to have the people come on by and says, I like it, I'll take it. And that's it. I would be, t- I'm terrible in Mexico. We went to Mexico one time and you know, you're supposed to barter down there. So I just didn't buy nothing. I didn't want to barter. I just don't want to do it. And they expect you to. They want you to. I don't want to. So I didn't do it. I didn't buy anything down there when we were down in Mexico. Give and it. <laughs> that can be anything, can it? Give and it will be given to you. Until you give first, folks, it's not going to be given to you. And whatever it is that you give, how many of you have given kindness? What are you going to get back? Kindness. Yeah. (laughs) Give and it will be given to you. How? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. You're trying to save 10 bucks on a used piece of equipment and God wants to bless you so much that you go out there and buy it new. I don't have to think about finding it used somewhere. I can buy it new. That's what he wants you to do. He's going to give, that's what he says in his word, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom, given to you, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So get rid of that mentality. It is not helping you. Verse 39 
And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? What ditch? Well, no matter where you go, there's a ditch somewhere. And eventually, if you're a blind person wandering around, you will find the ditch. You will find it. You know, we got the, we got little, little baby, little boy. He's walking around the house. Don't you know? He has eyes. He can see. He can see exactly where he's going. Don't you know he always wants to go to the place where he could fall? And why do we chase him around the house? Because he could fall and get hurt. He's just wandering around, just going around. He's got eyes. If you are blind, you will find the place to fall into. Why? Because until you fall, you don't stop. You just keep on walking. So blind people will eventually fall into the ditch. Is what he's saying. They're blind. Can the blind lead the blind? No. If you get a seeing eye dog for a blind person, that dog can see. You don't get a blind dog to help a blind person. I know some people that are blind can see better than some people with eyes. Not speaking of that. God's not really talking about real blind people here. He's talking about people that are blinded to the truth. People that are blinded to the truth, where are they going to lead you? Into the same ditch they fell into. Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own, in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite! First, remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. How often do we come out with this idea from this teaching that I am not here to clean out my brother's eye? This is not what it's saying. It also does not say that everyone who's walking around has a log in their eye. Because it's saying right there that you can take it out. If you can take it out and remove it, it is gone. Therefore, you don't have a log in your eye anymore. The people who come out here, we, we read this parable and we think, well, who am I to judge? I probably have a log in my eye too. Why don't you just go ahead and say you're blind as well? Blind to the truth of God's Word. Are you? Don't we believe that we're seeing the truth of God's Word? You ought to. And if not, then you ought to get rid of the darkness is there. No, first of all, before we go and we help out a brother, we first off take a look at ourselves. I judge myself. I get myself right. I make sure. Am I doing that? Am I doing it? See, that changes my attitude. Then I'm not just going out there to judge them based on one person's testimony or based on something that I see. I'm first off looking at myself, checking myself out, and then going out there and trying to help them out. That's what we got to do. Help them out. He goes on. Oh, I put this in your outline for you. We are called, get this, we are called to remove specks. Understand that. We are called to remove specks. Why else does Jesus give you a parable to help you, to show you how to qualify to remove specks if he doesn't want you to remove them? Does he not say, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye? The only condition is your ability to see clearly. Once you can see clearly, have at it. 
How many of you like people coming up to your eye and saying, oh, there's something there. What's your eye do? No, no, no. <laughs> we don't want people by our eyes. Right? How much more if they can't see? Well, it's nighttime. I can't see anything. But let me check your eye out. No. We don't want that to go on. You are qualified to remove specks from other people's eyes when you first judge yourself and take care of whatever else might be in your eye. Take care of that first. Then you can go out there and take care of the brother. But you're going to do it with a much different attitude if you do that first. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Good and bad tree, the difference is the fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from bramble bushes. So from what he has said so far, a bad tree will be one who judges, condemns, doesn't, doesn't release, and doesn't give. That's a bad tree. Get rid of those things from your life. Change your fruit. Every tree is known by its fruit, he says. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. We all know that verse real well. Store up good things. If you store up good things instead of judgments on other people, instead of condemnation, instead of not releasing people, instead of not giving to people, if you follow what the Word of God says in just those four areas, you will change and put good things on the inside so that the first thing out of your mouth is not condemnation, it's not judgment, it's blessings. He goes on, but why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who he's like. So he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? Why do we call him Lord if I don't do what he says? Don't worry, don't fear, don't have anxiety, don't be bitter. Forgive, release, all these things. If I don't do what he says, how is he Lord? I'm doing what I want. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like, a, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundations on the rock. And when the flood rose, the, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the, st- the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. If we do not do the things that God has said to do, He says we have built a house but we built the house on the wrong found, on no foundation. And so when the storms come and the tests come, what happens to the house? It crumbles and it falls. How many of us want to stand up to temptation? We want to stand up in the tough times. We want to stop collapsing. We want to stop giving in. We want to stop failing in this area or not having victory over here. I want to have victory. Well, then do the things that he says. Well, he says to have faith. I'm in faith. 
He also said, don't worry, don't fear, don't have anxiety, don't have bitterness, forgive, release, all these other things. Are we doing them? If you go through the Word of God, folks, there's a lot of, a lot of things he says, this is a good idea not to do. And there's other ones that he says, thou shalt not. We ought to focus on the thou shalt nots and say, if God says, I am not to worry, I am not going to worry. If he said, don't have any anxiety, I am not going to have any anxiety. If he says, do not fear, I am not going to fear. And we focus on those things and he says, do not do them. Because I'm going to make him Lord. If I do that, it changes the very foundation. Which means I can stand up to what's coming against me a whole lot better. But the only way is to do it. Because the difference between these two people, we talk about this often enough, the difference between these two people is not what they heard. The difference is what they did. They both heard the same things. You can almost put it this way. I think I had this in your, in your outline. Let me just make sure I, I get it for you right. Hearing is good and will build the house. But hearing and doing will also build the foundation. It's good to build the house. But it's even better if the house is on a solid foundation. That house will last. Hearing is good and will build the house. But hearing and doing will also build the foundation. Let's get that foundation going. All right, let's end on this. Put this in your outline for you. I want you to make sure you get it. Practicing things God said not to do will cause you to be carrying things God never intended you to. Practicing things God said not to do will cause you to be carrying things God never intended you to do. He never intended you to carry that stuff. He never intended your body to carry those things. We're carrying them because I am doing the things, practicing the things that he said don't do. I'm practicing worrying. I'm practicing anxiety. I am practicing fear. We need to get over it. Well, it's just those things, those things in particular, they cause this in me. You can change it. You can change it. I didn't say that. God said it. You cannot worry. You cannot fear. You cannot have any anxiety about anything. You can do it. You can do it. And if you will stop carrying these things around, you will notice a change in your body. A lot of times we are praying for things like headaches. We're praying for things, high blood pressure, body conditions. And the reason that they're in our life it's because we are practicing something that God said not to do. And if we get rid of that thing, we'll find out, hey, that is gone. That's not here anymore. And that's how we ought to be. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Let's all bow our heads to think on these things that are in the Word of God as they speak to you. If as we're going through this teachings of Jesus and the Spirit of God has been speaking to you and saying, here's one of the things that you've been doing that I said in my word not to do. And we know that. Maybe today, maybe in the times past, but I know 
I am doing something and he told me not to do it. Raise your hand up. I know I'm doing it. I know he said not to. Well, Father, you see the hands of these people that are raised. Every single one of us standing here can change our life to line up with your word. Because you are God and you put your spirit down on the inside of us. That spirit gives us the power and the ability to overcome anything this world has to offer. We will not be defeated to judgment, condemnation, bitterness, unforgiveness, a lack of an attitude of giving, fear, worry, anxiety, anger, harsh answers. We are not bound to any of these things. And we thank you, Father, for the freedom that you have given us. So this week, we make that a focal point to change that. I thank you, Father, that you are ministering to every person who has a desire to change those conditions in their life. And by us changing those conditions, it opens the door for you to change things in other areas. We've closed the door, and yet we pray God changed this, but we've closed the door. You don't need to. You need to open that door. And I thank you, Father, that you showed us how to do it in your word. We give you the glory and the praise. Today is the first Sunday of the month, our communion Sunday. As the rushers come to distribute the elements of communion to you, Stay mindful of the Word of God. The Word of God tells us the things that have gone on. As Jesus took His disciples up to the upper room, before the supper, He took the bread and He broke it. And He said, This represents My body, which is broken for you. On His body was put our sickness and our disease. The curse of the law he bore for us so that we don't have to bear it anymore. The enemy wants us to think that we need to. That we're carrying a cross or we'll put any kind of terminology on it, but we are not. What God has set us free from, what God has released us from, we are free indeed. We need to walk in that freedom. It's up to us whether we receive it or not. Just as it's up to us to receive the forgiveness that God has for us, it's up to us to receive the healing in our body over sickness and disease. Looks like everybody's been served. So before supper, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. So often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together.
after the supper, as we point out to you often, there's a whole meal in between. After supper, he took the cup. He said, this represents my blood, which is shed for you. His body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. That the Father saw you as so valuable that he wanted to buy you back and redeem you, which he did with the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of bulls and goats and sheep and lambs, he didn't buy you back. But the blood of his Son purchased you because God says, you are worth it to me. Because he'd said, you're worth it. You are. Don't ever let the enemy tell you you're not worth anything because God says you are. As we drink together, let's remember, I am valuable to God and he has forgiven me. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the offering that you made with your son a sacrifice that by his blood we've been purchased we've been washed clean we stand before you as blameless as the son that if we accept any accusation of the enemy any blemish he points out and says you're not good enough for God we are saying that the, we judge the son to not be good enough and I know none of us here want to do that Thank you, Father, that you have judged us clean. No matter what anyone or any enemy has said, we have been judged clean by the one that matters. They judge. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before we go today, I think we had some praise reports. If anyone uh, has one still to get in, let me know. This past Wednesday, we suddenly lost power to the whole house and the borough came out and located the trouble being in our breaker box. Water had gotten in and caused corrosion on the main breaker and terminals. I thank God for watching over us. We could have had a fire. We didn't. We didn't. We could have been out of, a, out of town or out at work. We weren't. We could have been without power, but as we were able to have uh, an electric, our electrician come out and make temporary uh, repairs that night. The most wonderful thing to occur was our daughter dealt with the barrel and the electrician with a hint of anxiety. I praise God as he works on her heart to bring her back to the fold. Got it. All right. I saw a little bit of that on uh, Facebook. I think Sarah had put something up about that. Um, Kenny and Bobby are not here today. Uh, Bobby is still dealing with some of the side effects from his treatment. And Candy is uh, having a migraine headache. Wanted to keep you up to date on that. Jim is not here. He's on vacation. There's a few other people I know that are on vacation. But Jim is doing well since his surgery. And we are glad for that. All right. A couple of things just to go over with you real, uh, right quick before we let you all go. For those of you who come into church with a phone, it's either not charged or losing its power or just about ready to run out. We now have a charging station over here for you to be able to plug into. You must bring your own cord. 
but a plug in USB right on over here. This is so that people don't have to go in the nursery and the toddler room and things like that to try and charge up because those rooms are busy and we don't want you to do that. So we got this right over here. It's got a little slot. You can just put your phone right there, let it charge up. Happy to, to do that. So head on over there and, and take care of that. Also, the toddler room that over here, it's used for a prayer room. Miss Gladys is in there praying and she has uh, approached, a few, I believe, a few others to uh, help her out in that. And we like to have prayer going on during the, the service. And... Uh, She's out there heading that up. I think she's approached a few people about that. Don't uh, lose sight of that. We want to see that uh, continue to go on. So that's going on during the service. And then they switch it over for the toddlers uh, after that. So if you need to go back in there for some water, uh, feel free to go back there before the service. And then in between, as we're changing things over, uh, you won't disturb anything. But if you can hold out in between, that would be great. If we uh, run into problem, maybe we can get a little, little cooler or something like that. So we're not going back there. But we're just trying to keep these rooms free and being able to to be used for their purpose that they have during the the service uh we have the end times class that's going to be at one o'clock today we're looking at the fifth seal i'm sorry the fifth trumpet is being blown today and we're going to look at its effects it's uh interesting to see we took care of the first four trumpets the last time we're looking at trumpet number five on this one so come on out here at one o'clock head out get something to eat come on back here at one o'clock we'll probably be done by around 145 or so and um uh, that will be going on. If you have missed all the other ones before, you can still come out and enjoy some of the things that are on this one. It's not uh, something you have to catch every, every one for. So that's going on here. On Wednesday night, we're either starting a new series or I'm, I'm just not sure. It's the day after 4th of July holiday. And I know some people are not going to make it out to church because it was the day after the holiday. So I'll probably be sending you a text message out to find out who's uh, planning on coming and things like that. I still haven't gotten all the prep work done because we're starting a new series. And I'm trying to decide which one we're we're going after so uh, we'll look into that uh, so if you get the text message let us know but on the Facebook page we will put that up there as to whether we're having it what we're doing all that sort of stuff will go on for for Wednesday and then I think that is it that's all stand up don't forget be looking all week long praise reports something that God's doing does not doesn't have to be something financial that God did for you it can be something that you're making the word work for you I, God showed me this in the word I put it to work this is what it did those kind of reports are just great to hear. Love to, love to hear them. So uh, when you come in, fill them out, put them all up there. We'd love to, to see what's going on. Oh, one other thing too. We are looking at getting, giving folks the ability to give digitally. Uh, Brother Noel, when he was here, told me about the church program he put his church on. I went through all the stuff. I thought we were going to have it here for last, uh, last Sunday. But they sent me a note and said, because of some law they passed in Pennsylvania, this particular company is not able to operate in Pennsylvania. Yeah, so and it's for too bad because of all the ones I've looked at, they are about the best one, easiest one to look at. I'm not trying to get you all to go and give digitally. You can give the way that you normally have for as long as you want to. I kind of like the old-fashioned way myself. But for some people, the old-fashioned way is not quite cutting it, and so we want to just give you the option to have a, another way. And if you don't want to take it, don't ever use it. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but if you want to have some of that, we are working on trying to get something to, to go, and so maybe by... Uh, you look up on Facebook. I actually had a note up on Facebook. We would had something going through, and then, oh, no, this doesn't look like it's going to work quite what we wanted to do. So I pulled that back off, and uh, we'll find something that will will work for us on on that. Have a great rest of the day. If you're coming back, we'll see you here at 1 o'clock. Bless some people before you go.